The reading is from 1 John chapter 1 to uh, 2 verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. It is rather odd sort of trying to preach to uh, a computer screen. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a, an unusual year. I was due to come to you back in, I think it was the end of February. And I say it has been a bad year. Uh, apart from COVID-19, uh, beginning of February, I, my wife and I were coming back from a, a missions conference and were involved in the big pileup on the M5 and were sort of stuck in the car until the police finally got us out. Uh, obviously the car was a write-off, so I uh, thankfully Larry sort of um, gave my apologies and I'm guessing found somebody else or else stepped in in my place. And then, uh, yeah, five weeks ago I was out cycling on the beautiful Blackdown Hills and I had a dog run out in front of me and sent me over the bars and I ended up in Musgrove for five days. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad I am here. <laughs> I'm glad I am anywhere, to be honest. And I think, uh, if anything, uh, what this has brought to me is actually how fragile life is. I'm sure probably many of you have thought of that over the recent uh, weeks and months during lockdown, that, well, I guess I always thought, anticipated that whenever my time was coming to an end, I'd have time to put everything right. But in a literally a blinking of an eye, 
it was an accident, hadn't time to think. All I could see was, all I could remember was literally the airbag in my face. Thankfully, that wasn't, my time wasn't up. And thinking back and I need to really reflect and think, well, am I ready to meet the Lord? And I think that's what's been going on over my, in my mind over these past few months. But before we look at this passage, can I just uh, pray for a moment and ask the Lord to, to speak to us through his word? Let's, let's pray together. Loving Father, we want to thank you for the, the wonderful privilege we have to, to meet together, to fellowship together, even though it is through this very unusual medium of Zoom. But we thank you that even though we might be literally miles apart, we can be united in Jesus and have, and have fellowship together with him and with each other. So I ask, Lord, now that you will indeed speak to us. Lord, as I look into your word, I pray that you'll open my mind, that I will just see and know what to say. Open my mouth that I will speak clearly your word. And each one of us open our ears that we will hear your voice. Open our hearts, Lord, that we will respond to you. So bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just read a couple more verses uh, from Hebrews chapter 1 and the first uh, three verses. It says there in Hebrews, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the past, God spoke to us, spoke to our ancestors. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. I think that's wonderful. As I look at this passage of uh, 1 John chapter 1 in the first couple of verses in chapter 2, I see a few things that God is trying to get across to us. In fact, the whole of the Bible, the whole of Scripture is revealing and it's actually about this one subject. It's how to bring mankind, you and I, into a relationship with himself. If I was to ask you over the last three, four months, what have you missed most? Is it going to the coffee shops? Perhaps. Is it going out to, to Taunton or to whichever town you go and do your shopping? Maybe. But probably the, the thing which we have missed most, to be honest, is actually meeting together with the people we love, with friends and family. Halfway through lockdown, 
uh, one evening, I think it was about six o'clock, we had a knock at the door, totally unexpected. Went, opened the door, and there in front of me was our son standing about three meters back. Uh, he, had, he lives up in near Coventry, but for work he had to go down uh, to Devon to deliver a package. And on the way back, he was almost passing our door, and he couldn't but help but knock the door. And we went out into our back garden, him sitting at one end, we were sitting at the other. And wow, did that not make our joy just that little tiny bit more complete? I'm sure you all know exactly what I'm feeling. And particularly this past week or 10 days as lockdown is starting to ease a wee bit. And possibly as you think of coming together again as a church, it just gives you that little bit of excitement and that little bit of joy. But God, right from the very beginning, his desire, his passion was to have fellowship, to have a relationship with mankind. If I was to ask you, what was the first thing in the Bible that God said was not good? Any ideas? It's back in Genesis chapter 2. And there God says, it's not good for man to be alone. The importance of fellowship. Fellowship with one another, but also and ultimately, fellowship with God. We see it in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, it seems that there is this picture of in the eve, in the cool of the evening, they're walking and they're talking with God. In chapter 4, we see Abel, after he sacrificed, he had some relationship or fellowship with God. In chapter 5 of Genesis again, it tells us that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And again, in, in Genesis chapter 6, Noah tells us he was a righteous man and he walked with God. But then we read probably one of the saddest verses in all of the scriptures in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. In fact, verse 6, it says, The Lord regretted he made human beings on the earth, and his heart was troubled. Why was that? It was because of sin. Because of wickedness. So God from that time on, in fact from before that, from actually Genesis chapter 3, is making a plan, is working out a way to bring mankind back into fellowship with himself. And in these beautiful verses that we read in 1 John, we see how, how God himself has appeared to us he appeared in the flesh back almost, what, 2,000 years ago. He walked with his disciples. He was seen even after the resurrection by over 3,000 people. He touched people. Yes, he physically touched them. There was that, those supernatural times when he touched people, like the, the woman who had been bleeding for many years, and instantly she was healed. There was the blind. There was the lepers. Many others. He physically touched them. 
And praise God, he has also come to reveal himself to us. Yeah, we may not have seen him literally, physically, been in the same room and talked to him, but he's been revealed to us through, through friends, through family, maybe through the media, through whatever. And friends, what a, what a wonderful privilege it is. God has been revealed to you and to me. Why? It says here, so that we can have fellowship together in verse 3 and our fellowship is with his son jesus christ and that is to make our joy complete thinking back to what i was saying a moment or two ago our joy will be so much more complete whenever we're able to have those family reunions again, won't it? Can I have some nods of heads? Some hands up to agree? <laughs> Good. That's what I like to say. <laughs> You're not asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's going to... And having our fellowship with God, this is the proposition that we will have fellowship together. The word fellowship in the Bible is kinonia. It comes from the word common. Having something in common. And in order for us to have, have fellowship, we have to have something in common, whether it is our bloodline, if you like, our, physically our children, our parents, or our relationships. But, you know, fellowship isn't only in the spiritual terms. Uh, the definition of fellowship, looking up the dictionary, it says it's a, a friendly association especially with people they meet together in normal times and you swap stamps and do things like that. Uh, or maybe you're as mad as I am and you like mountain biking. Anybody as mad as that? <laughs> going up over the hills and falling off but ending up in hospital. Oh, I've got one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got some thumbs down as well. <laughs> but fellowship is because of having something in common. We share an interest. We go out with our friends and we talk about things that we have an interest. And wow, wouldn't it be brilliant to do that again? Go to the coffee shop and just talk about the things we're interested in. But praise God, there is one thing that together as a church we have in, in common. We have the Lord Jesus. He has come to bring us together. If we think naturally speaking, we're all from, well, physically we're from different parts of the world. Different parts of Somerset, or even Ireland for that matter. We're different backgrounds and probably nothing would have brought, what, 25, 30 of us together on a Sunday morning, apart from the common reality that we are brothers and sisters together because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, the proposition that God has for us here is that we will have fellowship together and have fellowship with God so that our joy 
will be complete. And that joy becomes complete as we have, it tells us here, about having victory over sins. It talks a lot in these verses about sin. It talks a lot about fellowship. It talks a lot about the word. But probably if you were to count up the number of times it's the word sin or sins is mentioned here, it's, yeah, it's quite a lot. And does that not get in the way? That sin which, well, if we put it in a very human context, the time that we upset others, we do something or say something that breaks a relationship. I've been married now 31 years. I'm getting long on the tooth. And there's been times, to be honest, that I've said something, I have done something, which has upset Anne, my wife. And, well, you know what it's like, you could cut, they say you could cut the air with a knife until I go and I say sorry. Sometimes it means a bunch of flowers. Sometimes it just, well, it's just a matter of a big hug and embrace and sort of humbly say, I'm sorry, my love. I have messed up. I won't, I'll try not to do it again. You know, God has come so that we can have victory. And whenever we do sin, we can have victory and we can have forgiveness. Yes, there is the problem. The proposition is that we will have fellowship, that our joy will be complete. But the problem is this horrible three-letter word, sin. This sin which brings darkness. It says in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. The problem of sin, it brings darkness into our relationship. It's like as if a big cloud has come over and blocked the, the light, the sun, shining down into our lives. In John chapter 3 and verse 19, it puts it another way. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. What is the solution? It puts it beautifully in Psalm 119, in verse 105. Your word is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. Yes, as we read the scriptures, as we apply God's word to our hearts, that's what purifies us. That's what helps us to live in conformity to him. Yes, there's the problem of the, of the darkness of sin. There's also the problem of the deception of sin. Verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's one thing trying to deceive somebody else. Isn't it even worse when we deceive ourselves? Self-deception. We claim we have fellowship, but we're walking in darkness. We claim to be without sin. We claim that we have not sinned. 
it says here that we actually are living a lie and the truth has no part in us. We compare ourselves to others. I'm sure we've all done it. Oh, I'm better than Joe Bloggs and we tend to Joe Bloggs or Joanne Bloggs. <laughs> I shouldn't be uh, sexist, should I? But we tend to pick out somebody who seems that their life is messed up. We don't pick out this person who is living that life of holiness and purity. Yeah, I'm better than so-and-so. We're actually just deceiving ourselves. The problem of darkness, of self-deception. In fact, it goes deeper than that. It actually talks about the depravity of sin. If we claim we have not sinned, listen to it in verse 10, we make him, that is God, that's Jesus Christ, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. You see, whenever we claim we have not sinned, whenever we claim that we are not at fault, that gives no place for forgiveness. If I have messed up with Anne, said something wrong, done something which is wrong, and I, am, I refuse to say I'm guilty, I'm at fault, how can she forgive me? She can't. Likewise with God, unless we are willing to actually open up and confess our sins, admit that we're at fault, we cannot receive forgiveness. In fact, what we are saying here is, I'm right, you're wrong. We're saying that to whether it's a person, the human, our partner, our friend, who we have done wrong to, we're saying they're wrong. But even worse, we're actually pointing the finger at God, waving our finger at God, saying, no, you're wrong, I'm right. May God have mercy on us. The proposition is that we will have fellowship with him and with one another. The problem is the darkness of sin, the deception, the self-deception of sin, the depravity of sin, pointing the finger at God and saying, he's at fault. But then we see here also the provision as we skip into the first verse of, uh, of chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Can we say amen? Or put your hands up in agreement? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I have never been in the situation where I've had to appear in court, thankfully, and I hope that I never have to. But can you imagine if you had done some terrible crime and you were going to the court, you would look out to make sure that you get the best possible person to stand as your defense lawyer, your advocate, and if there was one who was there, who you find out, who in every single case, he won, 
He got through. He got the decision on your behalf. Would you not give everything to try to, particularly if the, if the death penalty was, in, uh, was possibly going to be your, uh, your sentence, you would give everything you could. You know, we have got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And if we come to him, if we trust in him, if we accept what he has done and what he is saying in our behalf, we are guaranteed 100% that we're going to be accepted with the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus Christ is the one who speaks before, to, to the Father on our behalf. He is the only one who can represent us. He doesn't plead on our behalf that we're not guilty. He doesn't try to claim some sort of alibi. He doesn't give some sort of excuse. What does he do? He claims his own righteousness. And he claims, I have taken James's place. I have taken Adrian's place. I've taken Steve's place, Rita's place. I just, just look at the screen here. All these beautiful people in front of me. God has taken your place. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And he claims, I am there for you. It says, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Isn't this wonderful? Yes, he died for me. He died for you. He died for all the people in Fivehead, all the folks in Taunton, in Somerset. In fact, right across the world, as we know that beautiful verse in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that no one should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Yes, the provision. We have God, our advocate. We have Jesus, the one who is our atonement. So finally, we had the presentation. God revealed himself to us. The proposition that we will have fellowship with him so that our joy can be complete. The problem of sin the provision of Jesus as our advocate. And then finally, the prescription. What is a prescription for this terrible disease that's going around the world? We don't have one yet. But it is a prescription for our sin. What is it? It is accepting Jesus as our sacrifice. Verse 7, it says, And the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sins. Verse 9, if we confess our, sin, our sins, he is faithful and just to accepting Jesus as our saviour. The B 
believing in him as our substitute. This see the ABC of the gospel, accepting his sacrifice, believing in him, see confessing our sins before him. Isn't it beautiful? If we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he, that is Jesus, standing before the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Friends, this morning, my question is, how is your fellowship with Jesus? How is your fellowship with one? I know our fellowship has been rather disrupted in the physical terms. But I trust that very, very soon that will be restored. But primarily, how is our fellowship with God? Is our joy complete? Praise God through Jesus. It can be.